College football signing day has become signing days. Syracuse added a few players this week to its roster, but did they do better at the other signing day? Nate Mink from Syracuse.com will try and make sense of this for us. Syracuse Crunch goaltender Connor Ingram is on the eve of his 21st birthday and trying to make his way through professional hockey. So what does Connor Ingram really hate doing? Playing goalie. We'll explain. Plus, the Winter Olympics are here, and there are plenty of Syracuse connections to pay attention to. That's all to come on today's Syracuse Sports Podcast. I'm Brent Dax. Hey, Syracuse family. Here's another family you'll love, the Rap family at the Bill Rap Superstore. These diehard Syracuse fans have kept our community driving for more than 60 years thanks to game-winning deals on new and pre-owned vehicles. Now, the Rapp family can't guarantee that every new vehicle comes in orange, but they do guarantee 100% satisfaction. Bleed orange, save green at the Bill Rapp Superstore, where you always get a great deal, and it's always the smart choice. Shop online at BillRapp.com. Well, like Groundhog Day, which was just a couple days ago, College Football Signing Day came around again this week. Wait a minute. Didn't we just have one of these? Nate Mink, Syracuse.com football reporter, please explain. Sure. Well, for the first time this year, uh, the NCAA implemented an early signing period, and that coincided with the junior college uh, signing period, and it meant that high school seniors can now sign binding letters of intent during a three-day window that this past year was held December 20th to 22nd, so right before Christmas. And what we saw was across the country, the majority of prospects ended up inking their letters of intent that year. For those who chose not to sign in that three-day window, the traditional signing period, which we've all known to be the first Wednesday in February, still allowed prospects to sign a binding letter of intent with schools. Um, during that time frame. So hence, if you wanted to sign early in December, you could do that. If you wanted to wait until February, either because you wanted to feel out more offers from other schools, or maybe you needed a little bit more time to get your academics in order, there was that later, there's that current signing period now that just opened up today that allowed prospects to, to ink their college destinations. Do you think the February signing day is on its last legs here? I, I don't know. I think we're going to have to let this process play out a few years. I mean, certainly the data showed in year one, the majority of the high level kids and even just the run of the mill recruits elected to sign in December. And I think for a lot of prospects, um, it became sort of a drag and a nuisance, both for the kid and for the coach to sort of have to be babysit, babysat and babysit recruits up until February when a lot of kids make their oral commitments going back to the previous summer, if not the previous spring. So what it did is just sort of accelerate the timeline up for everyone and just allowed things to become official much more sooner um, than they had in years past and at a time when most kids were ready to make things official too. Two bits of news. So we know who the offensive coordinator is, and Eric Dungy looks like he's good to go for spring practice, though they're not going to hit him at all. Right, right. They they typically don't hit quarterbacks uh, during any sort of practice period. So, you know, Eric, the nature of his foot injury, I think it will still be good to sort of run around out there. You know, you don't need to sort of be absorbed uh, or be exposed to contact. I mean, if he wants to really test out that foot, you know, he's still going to be able to do drills that will enable him to get comfortable with that foot, whether it's just lateral movement or, 
or typical, you know, agility agility drills that he's doing now in, in work, winter workouts or even in spring ball. So I don't think it's a real concern whether he gets hit or not. I mean, we know that he's a guy that certainly has no trouble seeking out contact, but um, just in terms of getting comfortable on the foot and everything like that, uh, there should be no change in how he approaches this spring. Nate, of course, this is the greatest class in the history of Syracuse University. As as Dino Babers said, yes. right? What do you think of this class? What are the, what are the standouts for you? Well, I mean, as as recruiting has gotten more and more into the public conscience here, um, it's one of their highest ranked classes in the last decade. I think it's it's on pace to be the highest ranked class since two thousand and eight. Um, now, obviously, depending on how the final numbers shake out by the end of today, we'll see if that holds true. But certainly there's been an uptick in, in the evaluations that this staff has been able to put on the table than some than some previous years. So that's encouraging news. Um, but they came in, you know, just under 50. I think they're in that upper 40s. Certainly that's middle of the pack, I think, in the, in the ACC. So there's an uptick there. It's typically in the past few years they've been towards the bottom of the conference. Um, but it's still... You know, it's an ultra-competitive sport, and there's a huge gap and canyon between the top half of the ACC and where Syracuse sits right now. So by no means um, have they accomplished anything, you know, to the extent that they want to accomplishment. There's still a lot of room to improve. Um, but from where this program has been sitting at, um, you know, for the better part of the last couple of decades, certainly it's, a, it's um, encouraging to see where they finished this year. What did Syracuse head coach Dino Babers think of his his second recruiting class of 2018? It, I think it feels a little bit different. It's the first time around for everybody uh, having two signing days. Uh, maybe a little bit a little bit anticlimactic, but still uh, still have to finish out a good class, and we did a nice job of finishing out that uh, 2018 class. It just speeded everything up. The uh, I have to. Uh, Kudos out to the staff. They did a fantastic job. It speeds everything up in the process. You're doing a lot of recruiting at the back end of the season, which is not uh, really uh, what every football coach wants. But you got to find a way to balance those two things because you've got to coach and you have to recruit. And uh, that's part of the job. And I thought those guys did a nice job handling all that. If, if they're capable, we've played a lot of freshmen in the last two years. If those guys are capable of uh, handling it, then yeah, they will play early. But I think you're exactly right. This is, this is kind of the break class right here and uh, we're going to have we've got good players on the team and these guys have to really the freshmen have to really come in and show that they're going to contribute uh, for them to be able to play if not then they're going to meaning what I mean by they're the break class these are the guys we're going to start red shirting and building up that foundation and building up that depth chart so they need to be really good if they're going to play this year I think they're athletic young men I think they have the ability to play early we're going to have to see if they can mentally handle the challenges and uh, I think that's always the hardest thing with a freshman. Some of them may not physically be there, but it's the mental challenge of going to school and being able to compete every single day. And if they can meet those challenges, then they'll have an opportunity to play early. Sometimes it overwhelms them, and they need to redshirt a year before they can figure it out. Oh, one last thought from the head coach. You guys be careful in that snow now. Now, this is the very first day that it looked. This is the snow that everybody was talking about when I got here. I haven't seen this before. It's outstanding. You guys have a good day. <laughs> Babers better hope that this is Syracuse's most talented class ever. He's coming off consecutive four and eight seasons, and while he has put energy into the program and that win over Clemson is still a sweet memory for Syracuse football fans, there's also this sobering thought. As Nate Mink wrote about this week on Syracuse.com, 
No Syracuse player will be at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. That's the first time since 1986 that Syracuse will not have a player represented. That's not to say that Steve Ishmael is not an NFL player. He is, and I think he gets drafted coming up. I think his workouts will show he deserves to be in the National Football League. That's still a pretty telling stat, though. There's also this thought. Recent reporting from Chris Carlson on Syracuse.com showed that Syracuse football is 50th in the country spending on football. While the resources have picked up, the ACC money helps. Syracuse's wins over Clemson and Virginia Tech, and Dino Baber's presence on the megacast on ESPN's college football championship coverage certainly isn't hurting the program. But it all comes down to recruiting, and it all comes down to talent, and that's got to equal wins. And with the news that Eric Dungy's back on the field and spring practice will be upon us before we know it, and that's a pleasant thought, given the eight inches of snow outside my window right now, 2018 is a big year for Syracuse football. And that process, as we saw with signing day, is already well underway. Dino, thanks for that warning on the snow. Somebody who's also getting used to those harsh Syracuse winters is Syracuse Crunch goalie Connor Ingram. So what does Connor Ingram hate doing? Well, for a long time, it was play goalie. We'll explain after this word from Bill Rapp. You guys, we made it. It's February. Did you pay off the holiday bills? Are you saying, wait. I can do this. I need a new car. I need a pre-owned car. This is something I can get done in 2018. Well, get on over to the Bill Rapp Superstore. See my guys Brian and Bruce Rapp, who bleed orange, by the way. They'll talk some Syracuse hoops with you as you celebrate the season with slam dunk deals on Subarus, Buicks, GMCs. Plus, they have live market pricing on pre-owned vehicles. I don't know what that is, but they do. That's why you got to go talk to them about it. It's an all-star shopping experience. All the basketball puns, everybody. All the basketball puns. You can get credit approved. You can get value on your trade and calculate your payments online. Do that at Bill Rapp. You drive to the net with Jim Beheim. you drive home a deal at the Bill Rapp Superstore. More basketball puns. Always a great deal. Always the smart choice. Go see Brian and Bruce at the Bill Rapp Superstore. So we're here with Connor Ingram, who despite the fact he's from Saskatchewan, is noticed how much snow we get here in Syracuse, New York, Connor. How are you navigating through the, the Syracuse winter we're having here? Uh, it's, it's not bad. I was giving myself a couple extra minutes in the morning to clear my truck off. But uh, other than that, I don't go out too much. So I just hob it in my, uh, my apartment. So it's, it's not that bad at all. How have you kind of made it through this season? For, for one thing, you know, you come here and you're getting going to professional hockey. You've had a lot of mentors. You know, you had Michael Lighton here and then there was a move there. And then, of course, Louis Domingue came in and now he's up at Tampa. And, you know, you get another a veteran goalie to come in with Eddie Pascal who's just getting going here and you guys are just getting used to each other. But how has that been for you to have, you know, so many players to kind of, you know, guide you along here that have all kinds of different experience of both the NHL and the AHL? Yeah, I was uh, thinking about it yesterday. If you count if you count the exhibition game I was in in Tampa, it's been six this year. So it's uh, it's a little different, but it's good, to, it's good to see so many different guys, and especially guys who are new to the league or like Wade's who have been in the league a long time. You get to see the different ways of doing things. And, Everybody's got their own way, and they're all pretty successful. So it's, uh, it's good to show that there's not one way to do it. And however you do it, you, uh, you, can, you can. So it's, it's pretty cool. What would you say is one of the biggest things you picked up from those guys that maybe you didn't know coming into the season? Uh, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot to learn, obviously. Being a first-time, first-time pro, you can always pick up 
anything you can. It's, uh, it's a little different. You see guys with families and a Louis Vassy, uh, late. They all have, uh, they all have kids and Rhea Pell had kids and it's, uh, it's a little different lifestyle for me right now, but it's, uh, it's good to see how they handle things. Who were some goalies that you really looked up to when you were coming up? Uh, like as a kid? Yes. Ah, uh, I was a big Jose Theodore fan. Yeah, I liked him. I liked, uh, like quick when I was younger. I just, he does things that nobody else can, so he's uh, he's fun to watch. Cristobal Huey, I liked watching him for some reason. Uh, that's uh, that's about it, uh, honestly. It seems like goalies in hockey. I mean, there's certain styles, of course, but it's it's almost like it relates to being a pitcher in baseball. Like, there's little quirks, there's little things different about each goalie that you watch. What would you say your style is? I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of tough to pinpoint a style anymore. You can't say you're a, a butterfly or a hybrid or anything like that anymore because everybody plays the game the same way. There's one or two guys that, that do it differently. So it's hard to categorize how you do it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, everybody's got their own way. Connor, uh, so before you settled on being a goalie, I was reading that you uh, played a number of different sports in high school. And the one that grabbed me is curling. Because the Winter Olympics is starting. I love curling. I actually was a member of a curling club for a year. I had a ball doing it. And it just seemed like it's that sport that when the Winter Olympics comes around, everybody just gravitates to that sport. You still a big curling guy? You still follow it? You looking forward to the Olympics? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Olympics. I don't, I don't follow it much anymore. Uh, it's a lot bigger in Canada than it is in the States, for sure. We got the Briar and the Scotties and things like that. So... It's a it's a fun thing to play, and I, I miss playing it. It's it's tough to find. Uh, I know it's one of those things you got to almost look for to to find one that'll take you. But uh, no, it's exciting. It's a pretty easy game too to to figure out. Olympic hockey is going to be really interesting this year because the NHL is not participating. So do you think it's going to be a more wide open field? Like how do you, how do you see that going? You looking forward to watching that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. They always say the NHL is not in it, but you take a look at that roster, and I think there's one guy that, at least for Canada, that hasn't played in the NHL. So it's, uh, it's going to be competitive hockey. I know Russia will be fun to watch. They put that league together for the Olympics uh, in Sochi, and I think uh, if it didn't work then, it's it's definitely working now for them. they got a lot of nationals over there that play at home, so they'll, they'll be fun to watch. How would you assess where you're at as a player right now? It's a long season. It's a grind. You're getting a lot of time. You're getting a lot of work, a lot of mentoring, as we mentioned here, but where would you assess your game right now? Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to always kind of look back and assess yourself but uh i think we're going in the right direction it's uh it's been an uphill battle for sure and everybody knew that's the way it was going to be so i think we're doing the right things now and just uh give it some time and we'll continue to get better it's interesting when you look at this roster connor you're one of five guys that are you know about 20 years old or younger so that's a young team and it's kind of the general theme. There's a good mix of veterans and young players, not only here, but in the whole organization. So how does that work, though, with so many younger guys on this team? Like, how do the music choices go in the dressing room? Like, do you, <laughs> got you older guys kind of breaking your chops a little bit? How does that go? Well, Wally controls the music no matter what. Nobody, Who does? Wally does. Nobody gets a say in that. Nobody else gets a say? No, well, no. Yeah, yeah he, he controls that. And then... Uh, What's he listening to in there? Anything you want, usually. He'll he'll give you whatever you, you want. It's, it's exciting. He'll hit you with... What you're not expecting. But yeah, like you said, I think there's eight or nine of us that are 20, and it seems like you're either 20 years old trying to figure out how to cook KD, or you got a couple kids at home on this team. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big gap, but I think they show us the way, and we keep them useful. So it's exciting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a little bit of a different, different room than normal, but 
it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So there's a lot of 21 birthdays coming up here. Yours is coming up March yeah. 31st, by the way. Yeah. Big yeah. plans for that? Or? Uh, Stevie's was the other day. Uh, Joseph's tomorrow. Mine's in uh, a month and a half here. So I think uh, a couple of my brothers might come down for it. So she should be excited. So you grew up in Saskatchewan, right? Yep. Tell me what the big thing to do in Imperial Saskatchewan is. Uh, not much. Imperial's about a uh, square kilometer in size. I think Wikipedia gives us credit for 321 people. <laughs> wow. K-12 school with uh, 81 when I graduated. There were six in my graduating class. Oh, wow. So uh, there's, there's not much to do, but there's anything you want to do, too. You can... You can go out and drive in the uh, the gravel pits if you got a, a dirt bike or a quad or something like that. Or the rink's always open too. I know I had a key a key to it for most of my life. So it's uh, it's pretty much anything you want to do, you can find. You've tried a lot of different things, but you know you're, you're a goaltender, and I think it takes a certain mind frame to do that. To want to go out there and have people you know fire pucks at you, and it, to do that. How did you settle on being a goalie? Because a lot of times I hear stories of, well, no one else was doing it, so I guess I had to. But is it something you've, you've always wanted to do, or how did that process work for you? Oh, I hated it. I hated playing goalie. Uh, I played, played when I was younger, and I also played uh, defense on, on a team. And uh, my parents eventually told me I had to pick one, and I wanted to play defense, and they said no. So they, uh, they, let, me play, they let me play goalie if I wanted to keep playing hockey. So that's how it happened. And, both my parents were uh, volunteer paramedic, paramedics when I was younger, so uh, there's four boys at home, and when they left, it was a fight to survive, and you did whatever you could to, to make the older brothers happy, so they needed a goalie most of the time, and I think that's where it started for me, the old uh, living room hockey. So if you weren't a goalie, ideally, what, what would you want to be? A uh, coach. A coach? <laughs> I don't think I'd play. I can't skate well enough. <laughs> All right, well... <laughs> We'll see how that goes, but I think uh, we'll stick with this goalie thing for a while and, and see how you do that. Yeah, for a while at least. We'll, we'll give it a shot for a couple more years. Connor, thanks for hanging with us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I love the Winter Olympics. Yes, the Winter Olympics. Summer Olympics are okay, but there's something unique and quirky and special about the Winter Olympics. Maybe it's growing up in Syracuse and having our own form of the Winter Olympics, right? Let's see who can sled down Westcott Reservoir the fastest. You know, back in the days when you could sled on Westcott Reservoir. Perhaps Mayor Walsh will lift that ordinance. Anyway, last week we introduced you to Kathleen Polito, who's going to have a very unique role at the Winter Olympics as the lead media liaison for the always popular Jamaican bobsled team. Kathleen is certainly not going to be the only Syracuse connection to the Winter Olympics. There's Akane Hoshimada, who once played for the Syracuse University women's hockey team and now will be on Team Japan. There's Brian Gianta, who will be the U.S. hockey captain, Rochester native. Aaron Hamlin, of course, from Remsen, who will be going for the gold in the luge. Jordan Greenway from Canton, who was on the U.S. men's hockey team, the first hockey team in a number of years from any country that's not a National Hockey League player. While the focus on the Olympics will be on the athletes trying to go for the gold, Maybe the biggest Syracuse connection will come from those broadcasters that take you from sport to sport. Syracuse University graduate and former WTVH5 sports anchor Mike Tirico takes over this year as the primetime host of the Olympics, taking the torch, quite literally, from fellow SU alum Bob Costas. As Tirico joked this week in the Detroit News, quote, The funny thing is, the job required someone born in the New York area 
who's under five foot eight and went to Syracuse. I fit the bill. I'm all three of those, along with Bob. That's a good line from Mike, who has done some of the top things in the world of sports, but recently, after 25 years, moved from ESPN to NBC to take on the two biggest things, the Olympics and the Super Bowl. Now, Mike missed the Super Bowl last week because he was in South Korea preparing for these games, but he'll be a part of NBC's Super Bowl coverage the next time it comes around. So while patriotism will warn your heart and will cheer for all those athletes going for the gold over the next two weeks, a big source of Olympic pride can be had just by flipping on NBC's broadcast because there's a Syracuse grad leading the way, just the way it should be. While Tariko may be the star of NBC's Olympic coverage, don't count out this Syracuse grad, who's a rising star at NBC Sports, Liam McHugh. Liam will host primetime and late nights on NBCSN and will anchor Olympic Ice, a new daily figure skating preview show on NBC. McHugh previously served as a studio host in Rio. He's hosted Olympic hockey coverage at the Sochi Games in 2014. He's the NHL on NBC studio host regularly for NBC Sports and also served as an anchor in London in 2012. Tariko is taking over for Costas as the main Olympic host. McHugh, along with Dan Patrick, just replaced Bob Costas as the host of NBC Super Bowl coverage. That's a heck of a week right there going from the Super Bowl in Minneapolis to the Olympics in South Korea. While a broadcaster is not going to make you stand up and sing the Star Spangled Banner, it's nice to know there's going to be a lot of Syracuse in South Korea. That's the Syracuse Sports Podcast for this week. I'm Brent Axe. Make sure you subscribe in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play to have new episodes of the Syracuse Sports Podcast presented by Bill Rapp Superstore sent right to your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll talk to you next time.